0: So what did Donald Trump say when he sat down with a presidential historian? Well, he said something that hopefully will be introduced as evidence against him in his future criminal trial. Let's talk about that because justice matters. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. So historian, author, and Princeton professor, Julian Zelizer, interviewed Donald Trump for the history books at Donald Trump's request. I highly recommend an article that was authored by Professor Zelizer. It's published in The Atlantic, and I will put a link to the article in the description of this video. Now. I want to quote from the article kind of extensively, so please hang with me for a minute, because not surprisingly, after I'm done, I want to talk about the legal implications of something Donald Trump said to Professor Zelizer. So Professor Zelizer's article, as published in The Atlantic, is titled What I Learned When Trump Tried to Correct the Record. And that article begins... As an academic historian, I never expected to find myself in a video conference with Donald Trump. But one afternoon last summer, a day after C-SPAN released a poll of historians who ranked him just above Franklin Pierce, Andrew Johnson, and James Buchanan, our country's worst chief executives, he popped up in a Zoom box and told me and some of my colleagues about the 45th presidency from his point of view. Our conversation with the former president underscored common criticisms, that he construed the presidency as a forum to prove his deal-making prowess, that he sought flattery and believed too much of his own spin, that he dismissed substantive criticism as misinformed, politically motivated, ethically compromised, or otherwise cynical. He demonstrated a limited historical view. He talked, not surprisingly, about the leaders of China, North Korea, and Russia. And then this piece, which is especially offensive when talking about the president of South Korea, quote, in telling the story, he imitated the accent of South Korean President Moon Jae-in. The article continues, he eventually turned to the Capitol riot of January 6, 2021. According to his memory, Trump's memory, the expert opinion was off. The real story, Trump argued, has yet to be written. When Congress met to certify the Electoral College results, Trump told us, there had been a peaceful rally with more than a million people who were full of tremendous love, and believed the election was rigged and robbed and stolen. He made a very modest and very peaceful speech, a presidential speech. The throng at the Capitol was a massive and tremendous group of people, but the day was marred by a small group of left-wing Antifa, and Black Lives Matter activists who infiltrated them and who were not stopped because of the poor decisions by the US Capitol Police when some bad things happened. During our hour together, Trump didn't have many questions for us. Even in his attempt to correct the record, Trump mostly didn't acknowledge or engage with informed outside criticisms of his presidency, he did, however, admit to having sometimes retweeted people he shouldn't have, and at one point he said, when I didn't win the election, phrasing at odds with his false claim that the 2020 vote was stolen. He seemed to want the approval of historians without any understanding of how historians gather evidence or render judgments. And the article concludes as follows. After answering our questions for half an hour, Trump ended the conversation by thanking us. I hope it's going to be a number one bestseller. It was certainly an upbeat way to sign off, though I wasn't quite convinced he meant it. A few days after our meeting, Trump announced that he would stop doing interviews with authors because they had been a total waste of time. He added, these writers are often bad people who write whatever comes to their minds or fits their agenda. It has nothing to do with facts or reality. Now friends, my overwhelming sense when I read Professor Zelizer's piece in The Atlantic is that it paints a very sad yet unsurprising portrait of Donald Trump. And it reinforces everything we've come to know about Trump. A very sad man, a con man, yes, a criminal, yes, but a desperately sad human being. After he sits for an interview that he requested, he attacks the historians, calling them bad people. So let's turn to the legal implications of some of what Donald Trump said. He said, without qualification, when I didn't win the election, you know, there's actually a term in the criminal law for that kind of statement. In fact, there's a rule of evidence for it. Federal rule of evidence 801D2, a statement by a party opponent and it will be admissible as evidence against Donald Trump at his future criminal trial. Yes, it's just another piece of evidence proving Donald Trump's corrupt intent, his guilty state of mind, his criminal mens rea, right? He let it slip out that he lost the election, right? He knew it wasn't rigged, he knew it wasn't stolen, In fact, he had any number of his own executive branch officials tell him it wasn't stolen, there was no voter fraud, it was the most secure election in our nation's history. Here is yet another piece of incriminating evidence that can and hopefully will be used against Donald Trump at his future criminal trial. And friends, there's one other thing that Donald Trump said that may see the inside of a courtroom someday. He said that the attack was a product of Antifa and Black Lives Matter. I guess including all of the people carrying Trump flags, using the flag poles to beat police officers. You know what that kind of statement represents? Lying about who attacked the Capitol on January 6th? It's giving aid or comfort to the insurrectionists. And yes, there's a federal statute for that. 18 United States Code, Section 2383, Rebellion or Insurrection. Whoever engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or gives aid or comfort thereto is guilty of rebellion or insurrection. And friends, nothing provides more aid or greater comfort to the insurrectionists than a former president saying, it wasn't them, they didn't do it, it was Antifa and BLM. And I know you might be saying, well, Glenn, this is just more evidence of the same. More evidence of Donald Trump's crimes, more evidence of his criminal intent. Yes, it is. And we will keep cataloging it. And we will keep after it for as long as it takes. Because justice matters. Friends, as always, please stay safe. Please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again tomorrow.